Modern Commerce. Welcome back. Good to see you. You're here as always with Casey and John. And today we're going to be answering the internet's best digital marketing questions. So you've asked some questions and John and I think we have some interesting answers for you potentially. Right, John? Uh, Potentially, yes. We got a real after hours vibe going on right now. We do with the darkness in the background. I know. We, could just we should talk just like this keep the our, whole episode. Let's do it. Let's talk like this the whole entire episode. I think um, that might be yeah, annoying, if you if, if you're listening to this on audio only, if you go to our YouTube, it like we both it's just kind of dark, you know, and you know what happened at the top of the episode is my do you have the thing on your Mac where it goes automatically to dark mode at night? Mm, yeah, I th- yeah, I do. My, so I, th- well, I have it on like, my phone for sure. I think I have that all the time on my I think I prefer the dark mode. You prefer dark mode all, always. Yeah, so I have it switched from from light mode to dark mode because it did it when that's what it does stock for the iMac and I was like oh I kind of dig that and it did it right at the top of the episode which I'm like oh now it's even more we're just leaning into it leaning into the after hours vibe Uh, but yeah we're gonna answer some questions a little digital marketing Q&A the questions coming from just the general worldwide web and the A's coming from us the answers that's it um should we get into it perfect yeah man here oh toss up this banner and uh, we'll pull up uh if you again if you're listening only on audio go to our youtube channel and you can see the questions we'll be talking about up on the screen um but if not we'll, we'll try we'll to just read, read them out and make sure you get the gist anyway right we'll, we'll read them <laughs> okay we won't read them like that to you though all right first <laughs> one's up first one up here john this is a question from twitter <laughs> Who has spent more than $1 million on Twitter ads? I believe that's part one of a two-parter you wanted to pull up here. No, that is just, that's the question. Uh, I, have no, that another, question. I have another tweet that gives this a little context. But uh, first of all, super direct question. Who spent more than $1 million on Twitter ads? Uh, so I will give it a very direct answer. And the answer is no one who's not no. venture-backed. Like no one who's like direct response. Uh, but the reason I actually wanted to bring this up and call this question out is because I think Twitter is a very interesting ad platform now. And uh, so, yeah, I'll pull up. Do you want to pull up the next one if you've got it there? Sure. Yeah. So uh, that was from Maxwell Finn, that question, who spent more than a million dollars on Twitter ads. And he's like, I respect him a lot as an advertiser. And this is from another dude I respect a lot. He's got a blue check, which means nothing now. But um, it means $8, dude. It means he has $8. Uh, I started getting interested. This is from Taylor Holiday. Um, he said, I started getting interested in an ad. I start getting interested in an ad platform when I see the dropship arbitrage crowd going hard. Something might be brewing on Twitter. My feed is jammed with stuff like this. And then he proceeded to show a whole bunch of like uh, drop shipping products that people are advertising on Twitter. And this is exactly right. And so I've seen I've seen like dropship product type ads on Twitter for a while, but like it has been cranking up so much lately. And I wonder, and and this isn't a political show. We're not going to try and get political or anything like that. But I wonder, like, do you think, Casey, there's this sort of weird opportunity on Twitter right now where uh, a lot of people think it's like this kind of dumpster fire. So you got big advertisers pulling dollars out, uh, but there's still like a lot of users and it's got this, it's been around for a while. So it's got a, a little bit more advanced ad algorithm than than some. So it's like a pretty viable spot at the moment for um direct response marketers who are trying to acquire at the at the best possible cost yeah um i guess my view on this is not like super well developed if i'm being honest i'm not like a power user of twitter per se but um i think kind of from the top line down it kind of comes into like faith of like the biggest moves that are happening at twitter right like obviously there's a new guy calling the shots over there uh elon and I tend to think that like when a business like a, a business savvy person like takes over something like he's going to protect that investment, you know, like um, and I think there's going to be opportunity there. I know the monetization model is kind of changing uh, yeah. on on the app. But at the same time, I think that that allows for just a lot of opportunity, you know, just in the in the shuffle. You know, that's when disruption happens, right? Like in the shuffle, somebody finds opportunity, kind of changes the way things are done almost. And I think that's yeah. that's what it is. Uh, maybe there's like a culture shift or like a. Uh, at least like a, uh, the old guard might be kind of becoming removed from like the, the big advertisers that were on the app. So I yeah. think that just means opportunity. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be successful, but I think there's opportunity for sure. So, yeah, I'll say this about Twitter. I, um, so Max, the person who answered, asked the original question, uh, who spent a million, who spent more than a million dollars on Twitter ads. 
Uh, I had a little conversation with him. He went on to say, I, we didn't pull the screenshot of it. He went on to say that they're getting incredible CPAs on one of their offers right now from Twitter. Um, and I'll say this, I haven't really used Twitter for tons of like conversion focused campaigns, not for a few years now. Um, but I have spent money on Twitter for, uh, to like drive people to like get more followers or to drive people to our podcast or things like that. And for those kind of high level, high funnel, um, engagement level objectives, it's, it's been really good. So it's not that much of a stretch for me to think that it could also be pretty good for a conversion focused objective as well. Um, if you weren't priced out. So, so part of the problem with Twitter is that, uh, the CPMs I feel are kind of a little high, even for engagement focused objectives. But if you've got a lot of big advertisers pl pulling out, um, then maybe the CPMs that go down, um, but honestly, like if I think, and, and maybe this is just my bias speaking, but if I think about the platforms that have really risen to the platforms that primarily monetize with advertising, so Google and Facebook, um, that have like really risen to that level, Google and Meta, they took off when they started being good for direct response marketers, right? And because that's like, that's direct response marketers are always looking for that channel that they can get an edge on. Right before Google, they were doing infomercials and I mean, they still do that stuff, but like they're doing infomercials and direct mail and stuff like that. And it was like, then Google became this thing that they could get really good results on and they will spend like crazy. So, um, the model has always been like, you know, grow your monetization, grow your money on the back of direct response marketers. And then when you get big enough, then kind of, then, then you can shift. Uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe that's the move here for Twitter. Yeah, I think that's a, a good analysis of it, if I had to say anything. I, I just, again, back to like Elon, I think that's going to be like, that's a lot of money he spent to do that. And while a lot of people think it's, you know, again, we don't want to get political or ideological really, but like that's a lot of money to spend to like potentially change the way like, you know, the ideal ideology is on a social media app. I think at the end of the day, he probably sees an opportunity for a sound investment there. And, and I, like I said, I think that's a similar thing that we have at the next level down kind of as advertisers. Um, we do have a comment here to get to, by the way, John. Um, yep. We've got a comment live, from Ernie. Live question. Yeah, let's drop that Twitter one off. Yeah, sure. Casey, let me just make here. commands here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you take no care problem. of that. <laughs> yeah, so so Ernie, thanks for the question. How much do you, he says, how much do you think our current economy, um, inflation, layoffs, et cetera, is affecting ad spend? Um, yeah, that's a good one. So I don't think it's a direct We've effect. talked about this recently, but I don't remember if it was on the show or not. Yeah, that's true. So uh, I think that Shaq talked about this a little bit last time he was on. So yeah. um, if you're a subscriber or whatever, go back and find our episode with Shaq. I think he might've talked about it a little bit, our last episode with Nick Shackelford. Um, but here, my, my answer to this is essentially that I think it's an indirect um, correlation, right? Like or it's an indirect sorry, not correlation. It's an indirect cause and effect relationship. So um, if layoffs continue like they are, and sometimes it's, I have a hard time knowing, like, is it my world, you know, or is this everywhere that we're having these layoffs and stuff like that? Like, is the general, is the gen pop like familiar or, or having this problem too? Or is it just kind of like digital marketing and a bunch of overinflated venture backed companies that are laying people off? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but if if that if that isn't the case and there really are a lot of layoffs happening and stuff like that, um, then ad spend will will decrease um, in some sectors, right? So specifically in e-commerce and direct to consumer, ad spend will decrease because people's uh, disposable income will decrease and they'll just be making sure. tougher decisions, tougher decisions that they weren't making before. Um, and I'm not like, you know, that's not revolutionary that I'm saying that that's like what's happened historically. And you're probably looking at me like, what do you mean historically? Like the last time this happened, you were freaking in high school, right? Yeah, I know. I just like, I know what happened. I can look back on it and we didn't have like these algorithmic algorithmic ad platforms then. So I do think that in a sense, we're a little bit better suited for like a, like what, what he's asking is essentially like, what if we go into like a hardcore recession like we did? um, in the mid two thousands, mid to late two thousands. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think that we're a little bit better suited for it. The other thing to think about is there are certain, uh, there are certain industries and things, certain industries and products and offers that actually boom during recession, um, mm -hmm. and do really well during a recession. So is there a pivot in your business that you can, that's like a little more recession friendly? 
Um, but yeah, yeah, I do think it, I think there will be a pullback, but I don't think that like it will be brands pulling back. Some of it, some of it will be brands pulling back, but I think some of it will be brands kind of like just folding up. Honestly, I'm going to read the question a slightly different way. Um, just kind of take it like at total face value. How much do I think our economy is affecting ad spend? Um, I think just in general, like my evergreen answer would be like quite a bit, right? Yeah, but the reason always. we don't talk about it a ton is because of like the things that are so complicated. And we, we talk all day until we're blue in the face about attribution, you know, methods on different attribution platforms. And this is like to that utmost effect of like, how would you ever possibly track these kinds of things other than literally like predicting and, and guessing ahead of time and being lucky enough to be right about a general trend? Like it's just, it, it seems like one of those things where I've never found enough um like juice from the squeeze of like trying to get too far yeah. into like the analytics of you know comparing the two worlds essentially yeah. uh but obviously it, it affects it quite a bit based off the things you said um there's no way it doesn't but i will say this it's not necessarily the way you would anticipate it because i think it's it's easy to remember like the pandemic era one way because it's so obvious right. that it was good for e-commerce in general but like i mean Let's talk it's like really January of that year, January 2020. If somebody was like, hey, there's a global pandemic that's about to happen, like, and you're an e-commerce person, you would probably have been nervous to hear about that oh, that yeah. month. Just any but it ended up being like, yeah. for that particular good. thing, happened to benefit, uh, you know. Right. That, and that's, that's how any big economic shift is. There will be some that, be, there will be some beneficiaries and some, some of those beneficiaries will be, won't, won't know that they were going to be, they wouldn't have known ahead of time. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the question is how much is the current economy affecting ad spend? You could ask this question anytime, any day, any year, uh, any month. And the answer is always a lot, like probably the, maybe the number one, uh, highest factor in like whether people are buying and the number one highest factor in how much we're spending on ads, at least in the non fortune 100 world is, uh, how much people are buying. So the answer is a lot, but the thing about it is the reason we don't talk about it very much, like you said, Casey, is like, it's just outside of our locus of control. So yeah, like it's, it's tough, like, you know, it, it's yeah. not going to help you save your brand. It's not going to help you, <laughs> you know, it's not going to help you like uh, save your job exactly. if, if your job is on the line, right? Like you got to focus on stuff that's within your locus of control. So yeah, there is a heavy effect. Um, and I definitely have empathy for those who are affected by it but like you got to just focus on what you can control and and hopefully you are within an organization where everyone is aware of the uncontrollables and realistic about them that's the worst is when other people that you're working with are not um realistic about the uncontrollables right so thank you ernie for that question um keep them coming we'll keep trying our yeah. best to answer them and hopefully uh, we'll we answer it. let here. us know yeah follow up with that um all right question from reddit this time john social retargeting this one is pretty small so i'll go ahead and read this whole thing out loud uh as quickly as i can without stumbling over my words uh like a over like size tongue kind of <laughs> that that effect tends to happen um go ahead. i recently found out oh there's a social retargeting question by the way is the headline uh, from this Reddit post. I recently found out I was having a second kid from an Instagram ad and I have a question about that. Ha ha. Ha ha. I work in marketing analytics, so pardon my lack of experience on the actual campaign mechanics side, but I've Googled this and can't find a methodology that would explain how I was recently targeted in an ad. Uh, I recently started getting repeated Amazon ads for a prenatal care item and maternity clothes a few times over 48 hours. So I asked my wife, hey, are you pregnant again or in searching Amazon for stuff? And she was like, oh, my God. Yeah, but I hadn't. But she hadn't told me yet uh, because she had just missed her period and wasn't sure. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out how this ad reached me. I'm assuming Amazon uses third party customer lists from a CDP to target customers based on specific products browsed, obviously. Uh, but I can't find any guides on how you would target specific content to another person based on relationship status. All I find is articles on standard lookalike audiences based on interest. And I feel like I'm trying to find a book in the forbidden section of the Harry Potter library. <laughs> wow. There was a lot. There's a lot going on that there. Is... There's a little nerd reference, which will always uh, be appreciative. appreciative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it is kind of the forbidden section of the Harry Potter library, right? Cause it is like, uh, it's the black box of the algorithm and it doesn't, it doesn't matter which algorithm he's asking about Instagram ads. He's also talking about Amazon. Um, but the Amazon thing makes a lot of sense to me. So let, let me break this down What this guy's actually asking. And this is the, 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 the core of this question is what we get asked all the time. Like, can I target 
blank with my ads, right? And mm-hmm. and usually blank is something like really niche that is like they would definitely be buyers, right? Like they'd be really people, really good people for me to target. So um, yeah, like I get why you want to do it. Like how could we target blank? Um, and uh, the the most platforms, ad platforms, any kind of platform where you can run advertising is moving away from that. Um, not allowing you to target is specifically moving towards more broad targeting in general um, because they want what the ad platforms want, what meta wants, what Google wants, what Amazon wants is for you to have to essentially trust its algorithm. So yeah, that's what's going on here is something within the Amazon algorithm um, and the meta algorithm based on activity, proximity activity, his wife, his wife's online activities uh, or activities, online activities mm-hmm. happening with him in his home. Those algorithms, you know, detected that and, and showed him ads based on that. So that's not anything that you can do on the, on the mechanics of like setting up ad account side. Um, yeah. That's all, that's all the platforms. That's all the algorithm. To speak to that, to how like normal this kind of conversation is. Um, and this is a little bit off topic, but very similar John, how many times have you been asked by people who actually understand like what you do and the like the the circles we kind of run in? Like, how many times have you been asked like, my device is listening to me? Like, yeah. how, like how do does the device know what I'm talking about? Like, do they listen to me and do they serve me as based off conversations I'm having? Obviously, this was not a conversation that was had, uh, you know, prior to receiving the ads in this example. But same yeah. idea, right? Like, same like, what is going on with this privacy stuff? And like, is there a hidden underworld that we don't know about? Even like most of the marketing world doesn't really know about. Uh, so I find this stuff kind of interesting. Yeah, no, we get as- asked that question a lot and I don't, you know, we don't have to answer it or whatever. Uh, I like every, the, the way everyone... you answered it when I first asked you, which was, I don't know, even know if you remember, but the official answer is no, they don't. And yeah. The official answer is no, they do not listen to you. And and Mark Zuckerberg, like outright and blatantly said that in the, in the, like, what was it? The hearings with the Senate. And we all know he is just yeah. basically like a Boy Scout. He's never told Yeah, he's why. super honest. So so the thing is though that I will say about that is and yeah, we'll we'll go we'll get back on track after this is sure. uh most questions that he wanted to avoid or not answer, he had just avoided or didn't answer or said I'll follow up or whatever. Like that one sure. he just outright answered no. So that's why I'm like Okay, maybe like a little bit merit, a little bit of merit there, because he definitely could have dodged the question, but he didn't. You know, he just because he was do- dodging a lot of questions, but he said like, "No, we do not." Um, well, which or seems that's what weird. Like, why not? Why? Why just? Why just outright lie when you could dodge it? But who knows? Fair, fair point. Um, all right, so moving on to the next one here, I suppose um, we have a, another question from reddit about creative testing facebook ads creative testing to be uh, particular and this one says hey guys after finding some good audiences now i want to test creatives is it a good thing to pick the best performing audience and put it into a new cbo campaign with 200 dollars a day and put inside 10 different creatives to test and after one week i can see the best creatives or is 10 creatives too much for facebook um yeah good question so uh first off we've done a whole let me Hey. Yeah, I know. Um, if you're if you're if you're listening, uh, go to YouTube and you can see us like tap dance around this uh, this graphic we put up on the screen here. Um, but it's a nice vibe. Uh, yeah. So the first thing I'd call to is we've done a whole uh, episode on creative testing methodology that was pretty recently. Um, I'll yeah. try to remember to make sure it gets tagged up above in the corner here. But if not, yeah. just go back. It should be uh, when was that? Maybe a couple months ago is all. Maybe yeah, like that. Yeah, so I, I would say less than ten episodes ago for sure. Yeah, probably around episode um, fifty, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, creative testing me- methodology. I found some good audiences. Now I want to test a creative. So, two things I want to call out here. Like he's he's asking for the exact structure of how I should test creative. There's a lot of different structures. So, uh, I would not necessarily say that this is or is not a good structure. This particular one, I would never use um, that he's asking about. Um, but the, the main thing I'll say is like, just from a mindset perspective, um, you just want to be very clear on how you're testing creative. Like, what are you, like, how does it go into the ad account? And at what point, like, can you say, hey, this creative has been tested and here is the result, right? Um, and that's something we covered in that creative testing episode. 
So uh, if you put it into a $20 CBO with that many creatives, you know, I do, or $200 a day CBO with 10 different creatives and the best performing audience. Um, yeah. I mean, it depends on what his uh, conversion cost is, but he may end up really going through those creatives really slowly. So 10 might be too many. Um, but yeah, I, like I, to me, I wouldn't use this because I wouldn't be super clear on like how this is giving me the feedback that I want on my creative tests. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I do think it's like too much. I think it's a little too like you're trying to get too much out of your spend here, probably. Um, yeah, probably. It's it's got it's the right idea though. I think you're cracking into that right mindset of like, hey, you're trying to treat all the ads the same, have a real like real testing ground. But yeah, this is not the structure I would recommend at all. Um, without going too deep into it, uh, I would yeah. just point somebody, sorry, point somebody back to that episode that we already shot. I was looking, yeah. hopefully if I were to take yeah. this, this exact structure and, uh, refine it, I would say, so basically what he's asking is CBO campaign with $200 a day, best performing audience as the, as the audience, and then 10 creatives as the, as the, uh, ad creatives. I think a lot of people do use something like that. I don't love it. Um, a couple call outs I have best performing audience. Um, I've moved away from using that for creative testing. I've moved into just using broad audience for creative testing. Um, yeah, I agree on that one. And then, uh, 10 creatives at $200 a day. I mean, it depends on what your conversion cost is. If it's like five, 10, 20 bucks, something like that, that's fine. Um, that, but other, otherwise it's going to be a pretty, low amount of conversions per creative. But if like, if you wanted to go with this, then you could either just up that budget or um, you could just set, you just need to set a point where you say, Hey, once a creative has reached X dollars in spend, it's done with testing. And I need to either do like, you need to know what you do with it next, because what, what will end up happening with this campaign you're setting up is Facebook will decide to spend all the money on like one or two of these creatives and they'll perform okay, and you won't really test the rest of them. So, there you right. Go. I did my quick my quick job here of trying to find some resources for you. So go ahead and find this episode. Oh, wrong way. Here we go. Nope, I don't know how to do it. This way. This way. There we go. Yep, you got it. it out. That's it. Find That's that it. episode. Uh, click on that. You'll get everything you need about creative testing. All right, moving along here. Um, unless you had something else on that one, John. Nah, that's good. Yeah, we got a few more to get through. So. Um, all right, another one from Twitter here from uh, Selena. Selena wants to know uh, what the best Facebook ad courses are. Uh, got hmm. some money to spend. Hey, get it, girl. Uh, but nice. free resources are great too. So, uh, yeah, this is actually a, you know, outside of ad courses, even I'll just say even like tools, the world of like everything. Like a lot of times there are quality free resources, definitely, right? But there yeah. is some truth to that. Like, hey, those people who say like I made it. And I have to charge you for it. Otherwise, like you won't use it. Like, sure, that's like a line so they can charge you. But like, there's some truth right. to that. We've definitely seen that in our own personal use. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Um, I am a big fan of like paying enough money to where something won't like hurt you, hurt you, but enough money to where you'll use it. Right. So like that's what, when she says got some money to spend. I would have uh, my follow-up question. It wasn't this, but it would be like how much because I wouldn't want to like spend it all on like a course that you might use or might not use or whatever, but mm -hmm. I would want to spend enough to where it's like, yeah, like I will feel bad if I don't at least, you know, crack the, the virtual saran wrap on this. Um, so yeah, I mean, but my recos here were um, a couple qualifiers. Number one, before you do any Facebook ads course anywhere, you definitely need to have an ad account to like try the stuff you're learning in, right? Mm. Where you're spending real dollars, right? Whether that's your own or whether it's, uh, whether it's like a client account or whatever it is, you need to like have a place, like ha have kind of a sandbox that you can try all the stuff that you're learning in. I'll net like when Casey came to me, he came to me with like you know the early, early on Facebook ads questions, like, hey, what do you think about this ad and and stuff, and it was like. Dude, like they were, you know, they're like running money in their own ad account to some ClickBank offer, <laughs> which you can totally get banned for. And I was like, there's just so much, like, I don't even know how to unpack it. So like, but if you, if he hadn't had that ad account to actually play with, or when he came to work with me, if he hadn't had places to actually practice and use the skills, 
um, that he was learning that like, it just doesn't hit. So that's number one. You need to have a place to practice. Um, I would definitely take Facebook blueprint and like, so starting all the way at the beginning, I would take like Facebook blueprint and learn, learn all the mechanics of the platform first, like where the buttons are to do certain things and what buttons mean what, and that kind of thing, right? Like I would start there. So you just like understand like what, what you're clicking on first in, in that blueprint won't give you any real, real good, like here's how to have success as a Facebook advertiser. It will just orient you to the platform. Um, right. And then courses I would recommend would be like, I, I like Nick Shackelford's course with founder. Sure. Um, we're big on, I, I've done all the digital marketer certifications. Right. Um, and I think I've, I've done a few. I don't think I've you've completed done, the whole. You've suite. done a media buying one. And yeah. They're, they're not Facebook ad specific, but they're more, I, I actually find them valuable because it's more media buying mindset focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're and big then, on mindset, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, like get you got to have the foundation, right? So have a media buyer's foundation, like a media buyer's like mental foundation, and then you can get into like here's the details of this specific platform. Um, you know, uh, aside from the recommendations you made too, I would say, from my own experience, I think the way I've personally learned the most is more one-on-one. So I would say like look into some yeah. like coaching potentially too. You know, it's hard to know who really knows a lot and who doesn't but yeah. i think that stuff becomes easier to figure out as you like or again if you're running ads and you're getting like consulting from somebody or coaching from somebody yeah. and none of the stuff they're showing you is helpful at all and you're moving the wrong way in your ad accounts like well then you kind of know like maybe they're not the best fit for you right now on the accounts you're trying to focus yeah. on you know um but yeah it's it, again just to echo what you said it's paramount that you have somewhere to test all the things that you're trying um otherwise it, you can get kind of lost in the like I guess almost like the academia of like, Hey, how things should be done. And it's that same way as that person who you, you know, is like traditionally trained at music. And then you go to some like jam session yeah. and they can't like keep, they're like, I don't know what to do. Right. They can't just yeah. jump in and play. So, uh, trying to think about what I did early on. Um, I did the digital marketer courses, um, certifications and, and that gave me the right media buying mindset. And then I did, uh, I think I did not Nick's Facebook ad course, but another one that probably isn't as relevant now. Um, but then I also did uh, like, I had a podcast that I listened to regularly about Facebook, about paid traffic um, and like between the three of those. And then I had some ad accounts that I could try this stuff in and between the three of those, like that's what really got me going. So what you're saying is the people should subscribe to our podcast. Keep listening to the pod. Yep. And that will answer all your questions. All right. All your wildest cool. dreams will come through. <laughs> Vote for John. Um, okay. Moving along to the next one. All right. That was a suggestion, yes. but we're going to do it. Um, another <laughs> question from the Twitter world. Hello, Twitter world. Uh, Jason Deutschman. Oh, is that Dutchman? Right? Dutchman. Deutschman. Flying Dutchman. Jason uh, at J. Deutsch uh, <laughs> wants to. <laughs> that, with all respect, I just don't know how to pronounce that. I don't um, know how to say it. <laughs> it's fun to say though. Uh, Jason wants to know his seven BFCM emails. Black Friday, Cyber Monday. For those who aren't aware of that, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Anyway, we all know how I feel about that. Is uh, seven, seven BFCM emails too many? LOL. LOL. And he was laughing while he typed this or wrote it. I want to be. I want to jump in first, if I might. Yeah. If I might. You know what? Can I call out one thing before you jump in? Look at the sure. date tag. He's asking on November twenty fifth. Like he's asking on the day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> First of all, super indicative of how most brands treat email. Honestly, uh, don't true. tear this guy apart. I kind of like him. No, 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 not this guy in particular. I just think that that's like not that weird for people. Like we, I think both years that we've had this podcast, we've shot episodes about like particularly BFCM emails, and we've done it yeah. like I think multiple weeks in advance. And yeah. I, I think that's not really on people's we'll radars to in like general. Week of, like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, Jason. I think it's pretty normal uh, to be wondering that late, um, especially because it's, okay, he's sitting on like we've already had six. I'm wondering if I should go crazy and like schedule a seventh <laughs> one, you know? Like, and just from me at least, my personal philosophy is absolutely not. This is not too many. Too many is when you see diminishing returns or when. I guess you have some other indicator that this is going to hurt future success, but I can't even imagine really what that is on BFCM. Cause like the, the, um, the, 
the value in an open, in a click-through, in just any kind of impression you could ever imagine on your email platforms is worth, you know, exponential amounts more on Black Friday than any other time in the year. Um, And that's, these are the kind of offers I have to imagine they're offer-laden emails. Those are the kind of offers that these people signed up to your list to make sure they get emails about. So, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my two cents without going too deep. Uh, absolutely not. It's not. That's not too many. Um, maybe not in rapid succession, one after the other. That'd be kind of annoying. But yeah, I think go for it, dude. My clarifying question was like, how many days? Yeah, <laughs> because... and are you sending the whole list every time? Like, you don't have to do that. Yeah, build some engagement-based segments. <laughs> kind of keep people keep opening, keep sending to them. That's yeah, my for sure. Philosophy. Um, but yeah, my my clarifying question was how many days? Um, and he said it was mm-hmm. yeah, because because. I thought I'm like, there's a possibility he means seven emails in one day, in which case I would say like, that might be too many. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he did not. So he, yeah. he told me uh, it was just, yeah, from Friday to Monday, I think Thursday to Monday or something like that. Yeah, Honestly, I'm the with- only reason why I would be firmly against seven emails in one day is because you wouldn't get the right signals you need for diminishing returns. Cause it would probably right. just keep grabbing the attribution. You'd be like, everyone I do keeps doing better than the one before it. But that's yeah. not probably true. Right. Um, I, I, I'll just add one thing to your point. I'm with you. I don't think it's too many. Um, I'll add one thing to your point, And that is uh, you and I have a theory that black Friday is the one time a year that people like open and check and actively look at their promotions tab. Um, so, yeah, you definitely want to be there. Like they're not going to go to the second page, right? And you're going to get buried really quick. So you definitely want to be there because some people where you're buried in promotions and they never open your emails, some people are going to open and click and get re-engaged in your email list that wouldn't normally, right? And so um, you're going to like those engagement buckets in Clavio of people who interact with your emails are going to get bigger during Black Friday. Um, that's aside from just the sales you will get. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm for it. Like just send. And I mean, there's an, there is probably some number somewhere that's too many, uh, uh, objectively, right. Like besides just diminishing returns. Um, but yeah, it's like just, yeah, I would, I would definitely be more aggressive than less aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, definitely our general philosophy about it. And I am, uh, kind of buying time because I, I pulled out another, uh, the same trick twice in this episode and i'm gonna go ahead and say <laughs> if you have any other questions well that was the wrong size wasn't it yep. that Dang certainly it. wasn't the right thing i meant to put up on the screen good job well, missed opportunity there um not <laughs> very well done on my part um we can move on to the next one just here. say it with, uh, your, that was, just say it with yours use your words casey that was embarrassing if you uh i'm really embarrassed guys if you really want to know more uh about especially black friday emails go ahead and watch the live stream live stream John and I did on Black Friday where we kind of oh, yeah. tore down some emails and some head uh, some subject lines and yeah. I think it's a it's as far as email goes those are our best like I mean yeah. that's really when we focus on email really the most good, honestly yeah. on a year to year basis sure. so it's a it's a good one I hadn't given up on the dream yet I really wanted to pull this up uh, we put a lot of time into these thumbnails and I really wanted to like show it but now I'm, now I'm just embarrassed about it so Wait okay. a second. Oh, we'll just, I think I got just it. Just give us the next question then. Okay. All right, fine. All right. All right. What else I mean, does Twitter have for you us? You didn't want to see it that bad, I guess. Well, I mean, okay. I mean, uh, you it's can just show it if you got it. I just don't it's want you to It's gone too long on the air. You know, it, the moment has passed. I know. Yeah, the, the moment has definitely passed. Um, All right. Next question okay. up from oh, Twitter. This yeah, this is John, this me. is not really this a question. I can uh, see no question marks here. So this is one of those like setups that you got. You want me to read it or do you want to use your own voice? I'll, I'll ask the question next. I will read it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We could do a little dialogue thing. Let's, ro- let's um, role play so- this Twitter conversation. Yes. Okay. So <clears throat> I will play John. You will play. I don't know what the dude's name is. Who, but I will play is, not John. The questions. Yeah. Um, so I tweeted a, br- a, a report from the brand that I own. And it says October report for the brand I own. Record month of sales, record month of profit, record month of new customers, advertising spend up 47.6%, advertising spend breakout, 57% Facebook, 30% affiliates, 8% YouTube, 3% other. Then I just said, maybe October isn't as bad as we all think with the little shruggy guy. Yeah, a little shruggy guy. Was was Um, my dramatic reading good? 
Sorry, it was. It was. It was a great reenactment. Um, and now I will assume the role Game of the Matt uh, at Mu Matt. To, I don't know how to say that Matt, name either. Matunyox. Matunyox. Have an uh, easier right. to say handle, Matt. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Didn't you know you were going to be on our podcast? Um, <laughs> all right. Matt wants to know, uh, can you share more on that? Is it a large amount of large percentage of affiliates, basically? Right. Yep. So now. running that back, 30% of our advertising spend was affiliates. And I will. I will share more on that um, because I think what I told him was like too much for Twitter. Sorry, um, but not for YouTube. Um, I'm curious about the, the wording you used here specifically. Like you call it the spend. Oh, a spend breakout in my mind. Like yeah, something actually yeah. like what, broke out. It's breakdown, rundown. Break, I get you. Down, it's one, this break. is like the scene from the office. I'm like, oh, what broke out then? Like some yeah. had a breakout. Yeah. Stop. I don't I, English very good. It's not my fault. Yeah. I was no, it's okay. Speaker. I can't. I can't crop and and and, and upload assets on the fly either. So it's all right. I still. I, I we can still be friends. Um, Thanks, so yeah, uh, F Facebook is obviously still like the dominant force in our advertising um, budget with fifty seven percent of the spend, but thirty percent is pretty high for affiliates in the e commerce world. Um, so I'm going to call something out here, and there is, and that is that there is a whole world of people who like drive all or most of their traffic from affiliates, and some of them are e commerce people. Um, so here's the strategy we use for that, for this brand. Um, we essentially, it, it's niche, right? First of all, it's like, we know there's certain niches of traffic that work really well. So like certain demographics of traffic that work really well. So what we want is people who have email lists that are really relevant to those demographics, right? So, um, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say what the brand is because I don't really want to get into like my brand, my own brand that I run. Um, mainly because it's a little controversial and that's not what I'm about with the modern commerce show. But uh, let's say, you know, the, the person that we're targeting, it is not this, but let's say it was like, you know, moms with uh, multiple kids who are elementary school aged and younger. Right. Um, what we essentially are saying is like, who has those audiences and specifically who has email lists of those people. Um, and, in our particular niche, there's a few networks, a few affiliate networks that specifically have a bunch of affiliates that have email lists of those people. Um, so that's the place we start as we go to those affiliate networks um, that have email lists of those people. So that, I mean, that's how you ask yourself, like, who is it? Who, what, what niche of traffic works really well for us? Like who has it? It doesn't have to be email lists. It could be, you know, this is the same, it's the same concept as influencers really, right? Like right. maybe they hang out on Instagram, maybe they hang out on TikTok, whatever. But like ours specifically hangs out on email. And I think it works a little better if they do hang out on email. Um, so who has it? And then go find affiliate networks that like have a lot of those people who have those, those audiences. Um, and then uh, the big thing with affiliate networks that we find is we have to pump new offers in there a lot. So we'll put an offer in there and everybody will send it. All those people with all those email lists will send it and it'll do really well. It will be one of their best earning offers and they'll make a bunch of money, but then they need something else to send. So they'll move on. So we reframe our offer a ton, right? So we like, even if it's the same product, we give it a different discount. We to put a different free gift in there. We do something else. We reframe our offer like a lot of times so that we can submit it as a new offer to the network um, and get the affiliates to send it again. Um, and then, yeah, then we actually do source like new products to create like truly new offers as well. But that's like hard to do every week. Um, but that's essentially how we've scaled up that affiliate strategy or how, how, we, how we are scaling up that affiliate strategy currently is we found some networks and then, and then step like four or whatever the last step would be to go and start to find like direct relationships and start to build your own little network of affiliates too. Um, and that's more yeah. of a diversification play. So you're not subject to the networks. I think that's that's an awesome strategy that you're just like laying out there for people. And it doesn't get talked about a ton. I think there's like some kind of um, weird stigma almost or like some some weird cloud over like affiliate marketing sometimes. I don't know why. Yeah. But like you said, you meant you compared it to like influencer marketing. And that is like the exact opposite to a lot of people. People are stoked when they hear about it. Oh, yeah, we got to get some same thing. Marketing. I'm like, yeah. it's just like the PR team for affiliate marketing has dropped the ball compared to influencer marketing, you know? <laughs> um, but I think, I think the screenshot really um, would surprise a lot of people that it could be that fruitful uh, that it would yeah. take up 30% of your spend, you know, in comparison to like something like YouTube, which a lot of people find a ton of success on. And of course it's, you know, brand to brand niche to niche, like 
of course there's a lot that goes into that we, we let me just say this is in a month where show, we cracked but... youtube like like we we were testing youtube all the way up until october and it wasn't really working wasn't really working then in, in, in october we finally cracked it and got good cpas and we still couldn't even like sniff how much we were able to spend on affiliates yeah <laughs> yeah no i again this is a uh, yeah i think this would be eye-opening to a lot of people um and yeah that question kind of that kind of sums that up. I mean, that I don't know how many replies you got to this, but I'm glad somebody brought that to your attention uh, yep. because these are the kinds of things like you knew that probably anyway, but maybe deeper into this conversation with this guy or, you know, based off of other replies, you realize like, oh, I kind of like, you know, in my world, this becomes more and more normal all the time. You forget it's not normal yeah. to everybody. Like, oh, 30% of your revenue doesn't come from affiliate marketing. Like, oh, oh weird. Like, what are you, are you doing wrong? You? you know? Yeah. Um, but really, sometimes it's just what are you, John, doing right. And it's fun yeah. to share these things. Well, that was all of the questions we had prepared. I want nice. to go ahead and have a glorious return for myself because I persevered. Yes. I grabbed a screenshot. Um, yeah. And it's right here. Go I ahead. And if you have too. any email marketing questions, uh, go to our stream from Black Friday. Uh, thank you, John, for pointing at it. Um, that was a fun episode to do. I like when we live stream. I have one stream more question. And... Wait, Encore. I got an Yeah, yeah. One more question. Did I miss one? No, it's from DMs, and I didn't want to like give you the whole Ooh. screenshot. Oh, dang. Okay. So this Please. was a Twitter DM to me. Um. So so the original question that the person asked, let me find it. Uh, the original question that the person asked was like, what? It was something along the lines of like, what do the brands need to do at different stages of growth? Which we also have an episode on. Mm. Um, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> oh, okay. So I was saying, hey, you know, like, what what kind of stuff you guys want me to talk about on the pod? And uh, this person said, um, open and a prompt. But how how brands should evolve over time? How brands should evolve over time? We have had an episode in the past where we've talked about like, you know, what what brands do at different levels based on what kind of brand they are and stuff like that. Was um, that our episode with Shaq? Was that the last one with Shaq? I don't maybe? know if it, if it was, maybe you don't need to, maybe you don't need to go for it. We'll I'm not it gonna, I'm not, I'm not confident enough. I know which one it is from the thumbnail, to be honest. We'll put you. it in the show notes, but uh, yeah, the, that was the open ended prompt. And then I was like, can you clarify? And this person um, went into my DMS and I won't read exactly because they wanted to take the conversation to DMS, but essentially what they're saying is like, Hey, I have, a brand um, that I work with and I am suggesting new ideas to them, like things that are new. And they're kind of saying like, well, no, we've kind of always done it this way. This way works. Um, and she's like, well, it doesn't mean it's the best way. Like maybe it could work better. And um, the person said like, I, you know, I feel like I have a lot of brands have issues with growth and change cause it's scary, but they won't necessarily grow by doing the same things forever. Um, so my first call out here is, and, and so to give context, this person's a freelancer and she's suggesting, suggesting new ideas or different ideas to a brand that she's working with. I believe she's a freelancer and, um, and they're kind of saying like, no, we're going to keep doing it this way. So I think there's a lot to unpack here of like, you know, what, what should you take risks on? How should you manage risks as a brand? Um, how to, I think Casey, you, where you went with this is like, I already know exactly what I'd tell this freelancer. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I will call out one thing that I think is a little, a bit of a mental model, like breakdown, a little misconception is, um, you won't grow by doing the same thing forever. That's not necessarily true, right? Like you can go a long way, you know, in, in terms of your path to growth by doing this. Like, it's like it, it you know, if, if something works, it you depends really what you way just doing that. It depends what you're bracketing in that too. Right. Like maybe you right. go like the same thing means we like, we analyze and we, we think of our next steps and then we curate sure. what, you know, like if you always so, only order a certain amount of product, then yes, you won't grow. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So it depends on kind of what we're language like that, like always and never statements are right. Never correct. Uh -huh. I don't know. Uh, rarely, For, rarely forty-five right. minutes in, and man, I I'm just we're just I'm dropping it, bombs over here. Know. Yeah, yep. I'm 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 in a I'm in a mood over here. Um, yeah, but that's we did. Uh, you mentioned that one to me before we started shooting here, and yeah, as a freelancer, I think the most actual like helpful piece of advice is like, man, find a way to think about other stuff a little bit, <laughs> or like, or maybe it's not a great fit because like, when is that going to change? Where they start listening to you when they don't want to? The only 
bit, uh, and this comes from agency experience, and I will I will openly float out that this is kind of a frustrating thing. Like for me in particular, a lot of times when when you have creative in your job title, and it's your job to kind of try to help something that's already kind of, I don't want to say wishy-washy, but you get a lot of different people in the room talking about creatives, and there's a lot of different reasons people bring it's things all opinion. up. And when you're trying to be performance-oriented, a lot of times you do have some metrics that at least help your argument why something might work. And when that kind of gets shot down based off of something like, well, we don't really like that. Well, that's kind of irrefutable. And it, I think that applies here, that lesson, that like, man, you just got to know that that's not really your place to necessarily be the driving force behind some of these things and play your role. And if you play it well enough, maybe you find yourself in that position at a certain point, maybe not even with that that client, that brand. Um, you just, yeah, you, you're going to drive tough. yourself crazy if you think about stuff outside, outside yep. your scope. The one thing you can do is maybe earn a little bit of favor by proving some things, you know, like right. call your shots in some places. Maybe you do fight to get something into play that does work does have the you know you kind of called your shot it does have the effect you expected it to and they didn't and you can show them that maybe contrasted to something that they think they, and you can you can make the case a little bit better when you have the data behind you even then though i've found the results are not what you'd hope even with that perfect no. setup of like i have all the data on my side um you just gotta know that's your role to to sometimes execute Yep. Yeah. That's it. And, and so that's, that's interesting. Cause that's not what she's asking. Like, you know, cause, and I'll get to the question of like, how should brands assess? We didn't have a screenshot for this one. I couldn't read it word for word, man. How, I was, you know, I was how, into my own narrative. like she's asking us like, you know, Hey, it would be interesting for you guys to talk about like how brands should assess risks, take risks, do new mm -hmm. things, stuff like that. And you're basically saying like, Hey, my, my, my advice to you is, as bad as it sounds or as weird as it sounds like you got to care a little, you got to find a way to care a little bit less, you know, mm -hmm. um, like you, 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 as you in your position in your role, especially if you're a freelancer, um, you like, you will drive yourself crazy up a wall. And, and we know we've experienced it. it like ask, ask us how we know. Right. Like that's why, that's why would, that's where you went with this. Right. Is mm -hmm. because it's like, yeah. we've been in the world of agency freelancer and, and you do, right? Like when you're when you're like, hey, I know something will work. It's not my decision. I need to convince someone else. And that's probably true of all jobs, but like um, you just, you know, sometimes have to just stay in your lane. It feels um, like it's it always feels like as a human, it's the right thing. Like I know I care more than they realize. And it feels right. like you're coming from the right place always when you feel that way. And I think that's kind of like maybe baked into society, not to get like too ideological right now. That's like kind of a common theme of a lot of stuff. Like I, I care though, but at the same mm -hmm. time, like Sometimes you got to put that professional hat on and just be like, well, what is my actual role? We talk in like hats a lot. Like I need to make sure I'm wearing the right hat for this. I am not the person who is the risk management assessor here. I am right. the person who has a great view of things, but ultimately I don't get to call the shot. And there is a reason for that, whether it's good or bad. And that could mean good or bad things for that company. So, yep. So to answer the question of like how brands should, you know, try new things, do new things. Typically I would say we always want to, you never want to just say, Hey, let's try this, you know, and then be like, okay, splinters, yeah, right. We want to kind of like pick paths and like splinter off of the, like, right, right. right. Because so, so you don't want to like just the say, littlest hinges that can swing the big doors. Right. That's something that you've long time said. Yeah. Well, that's what you want to look for. You want to look for, right. Hey, what can we try? That's like a little hinge that could swing a big door. Um, and that like hinge to door ratio is, is right. Um, but you, you definitely want to like, you don't want to just like go like kind of gut optimize and say, let's try this and then not really set any KPIs for how you're going to define whether it was better or worse or anything. Mm -hmm. Right. And I get that sometimes you can't always split test it depending on what it is. Like you might not be able to split test it. Right. Um, but it, if it's like, yeah, like it, you, you need to be able to set some kind of KPI for like, I'm looking for it to do this. Right. Or I'm looking for it to do this. Like my, so you have to go with a hypothesis. Right. So if you're trying to, and, and maybe this is how you would pitch it to the brand too, is like, Hey, you know, you know, looking at our data, I think if we could improve this metric, then we can improve our bottom line or we could, we, if we could improve metric a, then metric B that is our most important metric would, would improve as well. And I think if we did this, then we could improve metric a. So my hypothesis is if we do this, we will improve metric a, which will improve metric B. And then you got to follow up on that, right? Like you actually have to like set, like do it, execute it, and then go back and look at that um, and see if your hypothesis was correct, if it needs to be adjusted, stuff like that. So, I mean, we've said it before, you got to be a scientist a little bit. 
um, and like just, Hey, we should try this just and see if we like it. That's like not a good met model for change and iteration and uh, evolution as a, as a brand. And you also, this kind of feels like it's creeping into the lane almost of like, you can't have shiny object syndrome either. Yeah. Um, where like, like you're saying, you need to follow up on these ideas and make sure you're not just chasing down like the new thing that's supposed to be the next big thing. You know? If you're, cause if that, you've got, that happens as well. If you've got projects or programs or things you're testing that you don't know how they're going, then you're probably doing too much. Um, and you should be just clear about it. You should be prioritizing stuff, right. And saying like, oh, you know, Hey, we, here's, we've got this many sort of like outside the box ideas going on right now. Um, and we have enough bandwidth to follow up on all of those or we do not. Right. Um, and then you should be prioritizing them and saying what, what should come first. Yes, sir. Well, John, we made it. Um, this is something we, we haven't been doing every episode as we go live. The format doesn't always allow for one of these and I'm doing the, the classic buy some time, even though I yeah. know you never need it. Um, it's, it's that time again to do the parting shot, the TLDR too long. Didn't read version of the episode. If people could only take one droplet of knowledge from this tree of knowledge, what would it be, John? What would you want people to take away from this episode? What's the parting the, shot of modern commerce today? I mean, we didn't even say this once in here, but like, I think the biggest thing that you can do if you want to be a really great digital marketer, growth marketer, if you want to grow a brand, if you want to build a company is some sort some form of direct mentorship as direct as you can as as you can be right if it's like an informal one-on-one -on -one relationship that's great if it's some kind of group coaching that's fine too you know but you you want like actually to work with someone who knows how to do things better than you right like just outsourcing your ideas from or outsourcing your questions to twitters into communities and stuff like that that works fine but like yeah you you definitely need to surround yourself with mentors as much as possible um if you're going to grow a brand if you're going to become a great digital marketer any of that stuff um and then you need environments wherein you can practice right and and sometimes it's not always the own brand your own brand because you have limited resources so whether that's working at an agency or whether that's consulting with other people you need to get your eyes on as many different things as possible um so that you can like get all of the context of all the different things that that could be tested couldn't have said it better myself knowledge is power uh modern commerce thank you for tuning in to this episode if you've been with us uh this whole time please drop a like onto the video for us we would very much appreciate it also do what the screen says right here subscribe to our youtube channel at youtube.com slash modern commerce we don't plug it too much but also follow us on twitter at modcom podcast who knows maybe you end up on one of these future episodes where we break down questions um you know hit the bell icon on youtube to make sure you get alerts for whenever we drop new content onto the channel and as always until next time we'll see you